If you're an author or plan to be one, get excited because this podcast is for you. Book Marketing Mentors is the only podcast dedicated to helping you successfully market and sell your book. If you're ready for empowering conversations with successful marketing mavens, then grab a coffee or tea and listen in to your host, international best-selling author, Susan Friedman. Welcome to Book Marketing Mentors, the weekly podcast where you learn proven strategies, tools, ideas, and tips from the masters. Every week, I introduce you to a marketing master who will share their expertise to help you market and sell more books. Today, my special guest is an author, professional speaker, business coach, and entrepreneur. Catherine Walker spent 19 years as an executive leader in the direct sales industry, training and mentoring thousands of team members. In 2016, she started her own training and professional development company called The Success Walk. Her passion is helping people create the best possible life by balancing work and family. In a world overwrought with stress and depression, she strongly believes in finding your joy and sharing it with others. Her book, Boosting Your Joy, shows you how to do just that by living an intentional life. Catherine, not only are you an Aviva author, which I absolutely love, and a professional speaker, welcome to the show and thank you for being this week's guest expert and mentor. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. It's excellent. I mean, you wrote to me telling me that you were going to start a podcast and I was like, oh, great. I love having podcast people on my shows. Great. Tell me again what your podcast is called. My podcast is Joy Break, and it is just fun life hacks in order to become a more balanced, better you, where you are kind of seizing all the happiness you can out of life. I love it. And that's really a great segue into me asking you about balancing, you know, work and family life, uh, especially as an entrepreneur, it can be really, really challenging. And I know I faced it bringing up two kids, having my husband be a rock into when things didn't go well. So tell me, how can we balance our lives? Well, I really feel like every day you got to strive to be a better you than you were the day before. And that's that stretching, growing, constantly making sure that your life is fitting the values that you're wanting to put forth. I always kind of talk about it in terms of what's your best self look like. And when you're talking to entrepreneurs, that does mean being successful while not sacrificing relationships around you. A lot of times I just say, what is it that makes people successful? Gosh, are they smarter? Do they just have better backgrounds? Do they work harder? Or do they just have rich friends that are willing to support them no matter what they've got going on, right? So what is it that makes some soar to the top and others kind of hang back? And I think a lot of times what's happening out there is that people are putting how they feel a certain day, the mood that they're in, sort of decide for them how they're going to act and who they're going to be. And I think it's in particular when you have people that are in charge of their own business, they're their own CEO, if you will. I just don't feel like it. 
will kill a business faster than anything will. I just don't feel like doing that is kind of a really bad way to run a business because you're putting your feelings in charge. And so it's much, much, much better to decide who you want to be. And then from that becomes the actions that would follow from who you want to be. And then that kind of ends up with better feelings (laughs) because that will stem from who you are and how you're acting and the feelings of success And the confidence that would come with that is going to come along the way. I love what you were saying, yes, about sacrificing. I think that's an important part. I remember when I first got involved with the speaking business and I went to um, speaker meetings and I saw these speakers who were literally on the road 200 days a year and sacrificing their personal life for their professional life. And they were miserable at home. And so they sort of had to get on the road to give their ego a boost Mm -hmm. because they weren't getting it at home. It's a tough one. It is a tough one. A question I ask a ton of parents when I speak to them is, would you want your kids to grow up and be rich or grow up and be happy? And most every parent would say, I want my kids to grow up and be happy. That's why I almost feel like happiness is the new rich. That's what people are striving for more than just a fat cash in their bank account. It's they want fat stacks of memories and wonderful things that make them smile and laugh and moments of them feeling very grateful for what they have and lot of stuff like that. I think that's what's being rebalanced in the world is it's not all about money because there are perfectly wealthy, wealthy people out there that are very, very miserable and they're divorced and their kids are estranged and don't talk to them and their friends never see them. And when they do, they think that they're kind of a jerk. (laughs) So it's, you got to be careful about what you're building and what you're creating and that it isn't something that you don't regret down the line. Very true. I love that phrase, happiness is the new rich. That just sort of says so much. That's really a rich sentence, a little rich phrase. I've got a friend who says, a phrase that pays. So I don't know if you (laughs) use that one, but it's a good one that you might want to think about using if it's not out there already. So uh, that's lovely. Yes, you're right. I know friends who've sacrificed going to their children's performances and games just to be on the road. And I know I've done it too. And the kids give you grief about it. They still do. My kids are grown and with kids and they still give me grief that I wasn't at a certain match or at a certain performance because I was on the roads. It's a tough call. Catherine, a question that I often get when I'm working with authors is, how can I use my book to become a keynote speaker. And I know that you've been booked as a keynote speaker at several large conventions, and you did that in the first year of releasing your book, and that's pretty unusual. Talk to us more about how you did that. Well, I have to be honest, this last year has been a true blessing because I have gotten a fair bit of highly touted, you know, jobs where I'm bringing in some money, which is exciting. But I was referred to a couple of these conventions by people who had heard me speak elsewhere. 
and then said, we got to get this girl to come and talk. And I just have to say that word of mouth referrals are pure gold because they end up with bigger payouts because they're finding you versus you trying to source it and come to them. Not that we can't do that. We need to do that too. But um, they're easier to convert into a contract because they're warm leads, because so-and-so connected the two. And that's the power of connector people. It's really, really good to make sure that you're in front of a lot of mouths because you want those mouths to then speak up and be an ambassador for you at some point when there's a need for a speaker. And that gets you speaking so that then you're selling books in the back of that room. And that's really exciting stuff for sure. Yeah, I love that relationship connections. In fact, funnily enough, I recently interviewed another author and he talked about exactly that, that there is that's such a gem having those relationships because one person tells another person and this whole word of mouth, I mean, there's nothing stronger in advertising than uh, word of mouth sales. And I know, like you said, I've had people call me and said, so-and-so referred you to do some training. I'm like, great. And you don't even have to try and sell them because it's already converted. I mean, it's almost like a hot lead that's come to you. They've done their own conversion because the right person referred you. Yeah, it's just so much easier. But you got to be in front of enough people in order to get those connector people talking for you. Yeah. And do a good job when you're there. The first, whatever they're seeing you at, and then it bounces from there. I always call it lily pad jumping because from every event, you want more events. And that's how you build your business. And I've always said that if you can replace a speaking engagement with one speaking engagement, that's just a replacement. It's just a tit for tat. But if you actually get three or four, now you're growing your business because you took one and you multiplied it. That's kind of always my goal is to get the other speaking opportunities out of every event. That's been kind of a a good thing to focus on because it's sort of like your own goals of beyond book sales the day of, you're looking for future opportunities for book sales. Well, of course, that's begging the question, how do you do that? Well, I will tell you that I've had really good success working with questionnaires. I follow up any speech that I do. Of course, I ask the event, the meeting planner, whether I can put a questionnaire at every seat. And then I have them fill out the information. So not only does that capture information for my database, which is good because then I'm building my database up to a a nice little healthy number myself, but I also am asking for the sale. I'm asking for the things that I'm wanting. And so of course I'm asking for their name and email and phone number, but then I'm also asking for their feedback from the day. So I write on there, what's your biggest takeaway from today's presentation? And that tells me what's radiating, what's getting to them. What is something that's rising to the top out of what I'm saying so that I keep saying that? Then how would you rate Catherine as a speaker so that then I'm getting a feeling of, did they like me? Where did I stand according to a scale of one to 10? 
And then any other comments, criticisms, or compliments, just allowing sort of an open forum there for them to share. And then I go into asking for what I would love to be a part of their life to continue the dialogue. I ask whether they would like to host an author house party. I ask what groups they would know that would benefit from a presentation. And then I have school, club, company, charity, and church group, and they can circle one of those. And then I actually have a place for them to put the contact name and information and phone number for whatever group they're sort of referring me to. And so I get lots of referrals from people, and that's been really good and really helped me bounce into new arenas from different people that... This was from a meeting, from a meeting, from a meeting, from a church group, from a house party, from a this, that I can kind of track back my lily pads, if you will. How I jumped to be here in this moment is from earlier opportunities. The last two questions on the questionnaire is asking whether they're interested in a 30-minute complimentary coaching consultation. And I call that joy coaching. And then they can say yes or no, or maybe. And then I have, may I use your comments for a printed testimonial? So I go ahead and get authorization that if they said something on here, that's just a nice little uh, sound nugget, a nice little sort of well-worded testimonial, that then I can go ahead and load that on my website if I need to. The questionnaires have been a really good tool for me in order to find out who did the people that just heard me talk think I would be good for. And it's introduced me to some new groups and different opportunities and different areas of the my city that I normally would have worked in. That's been really good for me. I've got a lot of questions based on that. First of all, congratulations. That is a great idea. I've seen it done very successfully. I've done it not quite to the extent that you've done it because it sounds as if your questionnaire is pretty long. How many questions do you actually have on there? It's a total of six. I do it where it's a half a page, half a sheet of paper. The incentive then is for them to get the coaching or do you offer them another incentive to actually uh, fill out the form? Sometimes I'll give away a free book. Sometimes I'll give away a lunch date with an author. I've done a fair number of those. I had a couple, you know, like certificates made up, coaching book and a lunch date. Yeah. I've done that. Oh, and a dinner. That's what the other thing was. I've done a dinner. That you would offer and it would be sort of a draw, a lucky draw of those people who complete the um, questionnaire. Yes. Okay. And what about getting permission from them to add their name to your database? Do you ask them to agree that it's okay? They give their permission to have you do that? Well, what I do is since you know there's going to be a lot of people that don't fill out all the top part about themselves, the email, the phone number, if they do, I assume that they know they're giving it to me. And what I usually do is after an event, I will send an email to that group that says, thank you for being part of this the day yesterday. I really appreciated being in front of you. And Usually I I do some sort of thank you for being a part of the day. And then usually it's at least continuing a relationship with them. They know who I am because I spoke to them yesterday. That tends to help kind of bridge the relationship and just keep it going forward. But I mean, yes, they can unsubscribe if they want to, but I've 
found that most people won't give you the email if they don't want you to email them. Okay. So there's sort of a built-in, they're agreeing by just giving it to you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know we have to be careful of that with all the new rules and regulations. So I was just wondering if you felt you had to get special permission by saying, you know, by filling this in, you agree to be part of Catherine's list. Yeah. And I don't do a huge amount of email marketing. I really just don't. I haven't had too many people unsubscribing either. So that's just how it's working out. Yeah. So it must be good stuff that you're sending them because they want to keep getting it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just don't think I'm sending as much, (laughs) probably as I should. (laughs) And I know that if you send too much, they unsubscribe. And that's okay too. It happens if you're doing a launch, I mean, which I'm going to be doing shortly, and you send several emails and some people don't like it. Some people don't mind. Some people don't like it. So they'll unsubscribe. I know you talked about earlier uh, something called author nights at people's homes. What's that all about? Talk to us about that. Oh, my gosh. Well, I have to tell you, it wasn't even my idea. This idea started fairly organically when my dear friend that I've, we've been friends for 20 years, my friend Vicki hosted a book debut party at her house. And she invited 50 people to come and listen to me talk about my book. And it kind of feels like, I think on the East Coast, there's a lot of people doing these private concerts with bands that are being paid to do stuff in smaller private venues. I kind of took this whole idea that she had of just doing these author house parties and added that to my platform as something that I offer. And usually it's women that are hosting and they invite their friends and family. And then I do a 30 minute keynote address or speech. And then afterwards we have a discussion about it. And what's funny is I was in direct sales for 20 years and I really feel pretty comfortable in this setting in this home setting with people that are friends and family and a nice hostess. And I, you know, I sold scrapbooking supplies and home decor and jewelry. And now I feel like I just go to these house parties and I'm selling joy and it's what everyone needs to be buying. (laughs) And I will say that as far as book sales go, They're really great because I'm selling close to 85 to 90% of the guests in attendance. It's a really high closing ratio that they've come because they're interested in this topic matter. And so then it's created this pretty great little experience and they're fun nights and they're kind of deep and meaningful. And I'm getting great leads for other opportunities. I've gotten a ton of speaking leads by asking all these people at the house parties for with, to fill out my questionnaire. And I will just say it's really developed some really close connections and it, they, they've been really lovely, honestly. So I would recommend that people try to find as some friends and family to start with. That's where you'd start in direct sales. So this would same thing, same premise. You've got your book. Now who might be interested in it? And then who could invite a handful of people to come and hear you talk about it? That's excellent. I mean, it's so funny that you should say that because I'm involved in Rotary here in Lake Placid and we're doing a house concert 
on mm -hmm. Saturday night. And yeah. it's exactly that. I mean, it happens that the person who's the entertainment is one of our members, so he's not charging us. And mm -hmm. all the money that we raise goes to the Rotary Foundation. But it's still the whole idea of these house parties or concerts that are, people love them because they're small, mm -hmm. intimate environments that are just fun. And I can mm -hmm. see developing these relationships in these places. So good for you. I love that idea. Now, do you give your host some kind of thank you gift? They give them a copy of the book or what do you do for your host? I do a little sussy for them. And I don't know whether you know what that is, but down in Texas, we have like just little lovelies, just something I saw that I thought was beautiful and pretty. And a lot of times it's in the same colors of my book. <laughs> and then I will just gift them with a, a gift and a nice little gift bag because most of these people have already purchased my book and read it. And now they want to kind of get their friends and family together to share it with their friends and family. Yeah, so I generally don't give them something they've already gotten bought from me. But yeah, I just do just something lovely. And whenever I'm out shopping and I see something that I think works, I mean, anything with the word joy or happy on it is good for my purposes. So you can find stuff that sort of segues with it. And as funny as it is, in my book, I talk about having a blessings jar. And it's a jar that you collect. You write down your gratitudes and you put it in there. I think I'm going to work toward developing a joy jar, which is just the same premise as a blessing jar, really, because those are pretty heavily linked. But I might be doing that going forward. So think about what might be tied into your book that would be kind of a one-two kind of feeling that it's mirroring it or holding its hand at least. <laughs> I love it. Sharing the joy. Mm -hmm. One of the things that you told me earlier too, Catherine, was that in the first um, 11 months of your book being out there, you sold 800 copies. <laughs> Most authors around the globe don't sell more than 250 in the lifetime of their books. So doing 800 in less than 12 months, you've got to tell us your secret. Well, I would just say that I can blame that on my beautiful friends and family. I feel very, very supported by the people who loved me and known me for a long time. And so I've had a fair number of friends host these house parties that got things rolling. I've had friends buy cases of books that then they go and resell for me on my behalf. They buy them for me and then resell them. And then they've connected me to tons of these speaking jobs. So I feel blessed by a beautiful network. That's been really special. But I do have an agent that is acting on my behalf who is actually researching different groups to gather information of whether I'm a good fit to speak for them and kind of building some connections and doing some emailing and sending some letters on my behalf and then what I've agreed to do is pay her 20% of any speaking gig that gets booked. So she's been just a huge help to me in building my network out into new arenas and think ideas that I'm not thinking of. She's following that path. I do think working out a special deal with someone who might 
you know, I'm a little more of the veteran face personality and she's more of a dig down into the the nitty gritty of what's behind the scenes and who might be how to get in front of the contact person and that kind of stuff, the details. So that's been really a good little marriage. <laughs> Very much so. When you can sell somebody a case of books, I really like that. <laughs> yeah. Catherine, share with our listeners more about you, your services. How could they get hold of you, find out more about you? You bet. Well, my website is thesuccesswalk.com. And that's my company's name, The Success Walk. But I would absolutely love to connect and further my relationship with you guys out there. You can get my book, Boosting Your Joy. It's available on Amazon, or I have my new ebook that just rolled out in January, and that's on Kindle and Barnes and Noble and a ton of other outlets as well. And then I also have my new podcast that is called Joy Break, and it's available on iTunes and Podomatic. And I'd love for you to check that out and maybe subscribe. And, you know, I just adore it if there was some further connection down the road with you guys. Lovely. Thank you. And if you were to leave our listeners with a golden nugget, what would that be, Catherine? I would say that remember there's a difference between goal setting and goal getting. The goal setting might be deciding how many books you want to sell a month. And then goal getting would be deciding how to get in front of your target audience in the amounts necessary to meet that goal. So for instance, if I wanted to sell 50 books in the next two months, I needed to speak to 150 people in order to do that. That could be 10 groups of 15 people or five groups of 30 people. Where would these groups be? Are they at churches? Are they at companies? Are they networking groups? Who's my audience? Who do I need to be in front of and how do I get in front of them? Just keep doing this. Anytime you set a goal, then also be thinking about how do I get that goal? And I think that just helps you dig down and dial deeper into where you're going to see the the book pile go down. (laughs) I do love this quote that JFK said, it's things do not happen, things are made to happen. Excellent. Oh, what wisdom. Well, listeners... You really have got a lot of information here. Catherine, I really thank you for sharing with us today. And thank you all for taking time out of your precious day to listen to this interview. And I sincerely hope that it sparks some ideas you can use to sell more books. Here's wishing you much book marketing success. The time is now to take action and finally build your book-selling empire. And the great news is that Susan is here to help you. Visit bookmarketingmentors.com and sign up for a free 15-minute book marketing strategy session with Susan. She'll help you discover your first steps to marketing and selling your book. Only those who take action are rewarded, so visit bookmarketingmentors.com and we'll see you again next week. Hi, it's Susan again. And today I want to talk to you about the power of relevancy. And this comes straight out of my book, The Complete Idiot's Guide to Target Marketing. 
To make target marketing work for your business, you have to face a really unpleasant fact. People don't, by and large, care about you or your business. People care about themselves. They're only interested in things that are relevant, things that will impact their personal or professional lives. That's the concept most marketers totally fail to grasp. They spend unbelievable amounts of time, energy, and money spreading the word about their businesses, never once thinking about the people they're marketing to. Yet every customer comes to us with one and only one question. What's in it for me? Customers want any of an infant number of things. They want to improve themselves. They want to save money, save time, make money, avoid effort, and be more comfortable. It's not difficult to identify products and services that enable people to have a clean home, escape physical or emotional pain, enjoy praise, or ensure popularity. The list is literally endless. You have to know what your customers want from you. More important, you have to know why they want it. It's that understanding that enables you to craft relevant marketing messages. When a message is relevant, customers buy. You'll know you're relevant when your customers say, this is exactly what I was looking for, or you are exactly the right person to fix this problem. The reason relevancy is so important comes down to numbers. Customers are deluged with thousands of marketing messages daily. They can't possibly interact with much less respond to all of them. They have to pick and choose, and they only choose to respond to those offers that have meaning to them. In other words, the messages that are relevant. That's it for me today. Remember to keep exercising your marketing muscle. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.